Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. This is not just about doing, it's about behavior changing. And when you think about your life and you think about life coaching and you think about your life experience, it's something that you have to live, right? So living into the work is actually embodying the journey. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing numbers and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. Maisha T. Hill wears a lot of titles, single mom, a speaker, an activist for mental health, an author. That list continues on, and yet she's found a way to do all things well and even thrive in each area. You might quickly think, wow, she's got balance figured out, but that's not at all what she teaches. Maisha is a life synergist, and through her work, she debunks the myth of work-life balance, leading her students to find and pursue synergy instead. If burnout, overwhelm, and confusion seems to narrate your life or your business, this interview with Maisha will explore why you might be feeling that way and how you can navigate out of it. Here she is, Maisha T. Hill. All right, Maisha, welcome to the podcast. I am so, so excited to spend some time with you today. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Oh, it's so exciting. Okay, Maisha, you do a million things. Like you wear a lot of titles. You are a single mom of three. You're a speaker. You're a life synergist. So let's just start this episode out and tell me the story behind Maisha and how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. You know, my story started as, you know, I could say in fifth grade when I became the advocate for women, when the boys would bully the girls and I'd be like, yes, you can't put us in a corner. Right. Um, Fast forward to my adult years, how I've evolved into myself is I had a breakdown when my daughter was born. I lost my will to live and attempted suicide, had planned and was hospitalized. My daughter was 12 days old. It was Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving of 2012. 
when I was hospitalized. And in that moment, Jenna, I saw a Bible. And as a person who's a follower of Christ, I said, I'm here for a reason. Yeah. Right. There's got to be more like I know I'm here. And it's just over time, my whole recovery journey of being in that mental health hospital was recognizing like. I didn't have the strategies or the tools to talk openly about feeling depressed or feeling anxious or, you know, I swept a lot of my issues under the rug. I never talked about, you know, issues and matters around sexual violence and, and just you know, emotional abuse. And, you know, I use that experience to kind of drive me to where I am today, where it's just been peeling back the onion layers of my life to get to that core root of who I really am based on my life experiences And that is how I got into this concept of synergy and using pain to power to uncover the one thing that makes us feel that we have to perform in our life, right? Which Mm -hmm. is this idea of work-life balance and, you know, productivity value metrics of who we are, but that's actually not who we are. And so, yeah, it was that painful period of my life of just dealing with suicidology and mental illness that got me here today. I remember, Maisha, when I was first exposed to your story and just understanding all of the layers of being a new mom and motherhood and and you were a mom and navigating all of that. How did you kind of turn that pain into your purpose? Because looking at your work now, it's so clear that you've done just that. Yeah. Well, it started with therapy. (laughs) You know, I've been fighting like systems of domination for a long time. And it really started honestly with my children when my son was nonverbal and I kept telling the doctors like something was wrong with him. And they're like, he's fine. And I started doing my own research. I love Mm -hmm. academic journals. I love reading research papers and I would do my own research. And so I read about Temple Grandin and I looked at my son and I said he was autistic. For me, it's always been self-advocacy And that self-advocacy and research is really what helped propel me forward. I think it's very prevalent in the work that you do. I want to know when someone asks you like, Maisha, what do you do? How do you describe your work, specifically the life synergist title? Because that Mm -hmm. one is always kind of obscure. You're like, tell me more. Yeah, I do that on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I tell people I'm an awesome and exhausted mompreneur of three children is what I tell people. (laughs) But when it comes to life synergy, it was this idea that, you know, our life, and if I throw in our business, they're intersectional, right? And so if we look at life as, you know, a living a life of to-do lists, we'll never get anything done in our life. We won't live into our experiences. And so it was really like, what is synergy, right? And it's this idea of getting rid of the to-do list and seeing the intersections of all of our life and bringing in the aspects of our professional life and our personal life together to give us a greater result, because that's what synergy does. It brings in all of the aspects of a thing, right? And it brings it together to produce a greater results. And so as a life synergist, I began to work with clients and myself on doing three things. I love the number three and doing three things well. And so it was this notion of what's the one thing I can do for myself? What's the one thing I can do for my life? And what's the one thing I can do for my career, right? And keeping that as the synergy method to move forward. And for me, what what has happened is that I keep those three things in mind every day. And then at the end of the night, I'm able to look at those three 
and then tackle one, whatever I got done, I cross it off and I don't add anything to the list until I get the other two things done. Mm. So it was really creating a framework that can keep my energy centered and grounded in a way that brought in the intersections of my personal and professional life so that I can be a better mom, right, to my family and I can thrive mentally well. I think that's so important, especially for women nowadays, because it's like we're wearing so many hats and we're trying to be perfect and we're trying to be the best at everything. And I feel like the way that you broke that down makes it feel like, okay, like I can, I can do three things, right? (laughs) Even just one thing, I can do one thing. (laughs) I want to know when someone asks you the question, Maisha, does work-life balance even exist? What is your take on that? I believe that work-life balance is actually a myth because how can you balance it all? You can't because then I am going to say this, we were buying into the, the models of productivity and our value being tied into how much we produce in the world for the sake of, you know, looking good for others or the sake of influencer status or the sake of authority, right? It's an actual myth because you can't balance life and work and expect it to work out. You have to have that synergy of it all versus balance, How do you know, like uh, so many questions are coming to mind as you speak, because I just think that this is so necessary for achievers. I'm a three on the Enneagram. So I'm one of those list productivity, do, do, do. Mm -hmm. And being in a season where it's like time to step back and listen and all of the important things that so many people are doing. How do you suggest kind of unlearning that productivity based ideology that so many of us subscribe to? Well, people to recognize is that, you know, remembering that capitalism thrives when we manage ourselves according to our to do list. So a lot of the to do's on our list, they might be team meetings, they might be interviews, they might be whatever they might be, right? It's all in support of capitalism. And as someone who teaches, you know, on white supremacy, I know that white supremacy, I mean, capitalism is a tenant of white supremacy. And so for me, realizing that this to-do list is in support of capitalism, which is upholding white supremacy, I have to disconnect from that. Yeah. I have to go back to my three things well, right? And then giving myself grace for only doing one. And some of us thrive on those lists because those lists are how we can control our own containers and control our own environment. So then there's the deeper invitation of why do I need to control with a never ending to-do list? Like, why am I putting my power into an ongoing list? Yeah. Oh, you are deep, Miss Maisha. This is so good. I want to know one of the things that you talk about a lot, just with your personal life and the way that you teach, is you talk a lot about burnout and overwhelm and confusion. And I want to know, especially in the work that you do, why do you think that so many women and entrepreneurs specifically hit this state of burnout? Like, what is that? Why does that happen? You know, the the saying in my culture is we're trying to keep up with the Joneses. We're so busy looking at our competitors and keeping our eyes on their paper that we're burning out trying to do all of the things in our business to keep up. Because women, it has been embedded in us to compete against each other. 
right? And to see my sister as my competitor, not someone I can aspire to be like. And so we burn out because if you're a solopreneur, right, I'm trying to build my email list, write the emails, build the sales funnel, build the website because I don't have a budget to afford a team. As women, because we want to have ownership, right? There's that sense of control. There's that sense of owning my power by controlling it all because we don't have enough trust in other people to build our own teams. If we had trust in other people, if we were able to let go of this sense of owning the power, which means I have to do it all, we would be able to even release the need to have all of this overwhelm and stress and burnout in our businesses. So we hit a point where because we've done it all because of lack of trust in others or because of lacking our own belief in ourselves and competition, that we just get tired, that we get burned out. And a lot of us that are entrepreneurs or, you know, business owners are actually, you know, functional depressives, to be honest, as a mental health advocate. We are actually functioning in a depressive state. Because again, we're working to keep up with the Joneses because our competitor is number one and we want to either be like her or we want to either be better than her. Mm. Competition is good for women, but it also leads to depression, burnout and overwhelm. Have you hit seasons like that in your journey? Because I mean, you're not new to this business world and even right now, you're just being put on a pedestal in a new way. Mm-hmm. How are you kind of protecting yourself from hitting burnout or overwhelm or, or just getting confused with all of the voices in your world right now? You know, I think for me, it's really been being grounded in my faith, having a team. So before all of this happened, I started building me a team about three years ago because my breaking point was I had I was a VA I used my marketing background to be a virtual assistant and I started taking on clients. And then I realized with three kids, I was working all the time, Jenna, and I was only making a dollar and 65 cents a day. Mm. Yep. And I realized, you know, I could scale. I had a coach, Diane Edwards, who's now one of my strategists. It's time to scale. You're not making enough. Build a team. And I taught myself how to build a team because I like research. And I knew at that point when I was making a dollar and 65 cents a day and then asking myself why my clients were making six figures and thought it was okay that they paid me so little, that was my breaking point. How did you move out of that? Lots of therapy. My therapist (laughs) gave me lots of different coping strategies. I actually had to go in-house for a couple of years and actually work a job. And really, it was building this team and working with my therapist and You know, having friends that are around me that really remind me to take a break and disconnecting. And even yesterday, I had one of my team members say, Maisha, you need to meditate at least for two minutes every hour of the day. That's going to help you be mentally well in this current climate that you're living in, because it's a lot. It is a lot. Would you feel comfortable sharing like what your team consists of? Because I think a lot of people listening are in the solopreneur stage and holding on to all of that control and kind of probably at that breaking point. Would you share kind of those first hires and and what that's looked like as you've built your team out? Um, Yeah. My first hire was a therapist. You do trust me, business owners. You want to have a therapist or a life coach on your team. But my first hire was the therapist, um, followed by a social media virtual assistant who helped me build the content plans and plan my content, which was hard to let go of control because I was a VA, but I had to hire He helped me. I hired a graphic designer. So therapist, social media, (laughs) 
strategist and graphic designer. Those are like my first three hires. That's awesome. I think too, so many people get into business because they're creative and visual and they love the pretty side of things. And I think we very quickly recognize that business is about 98% not that stuff and 2% that stuff. And, and we want to hold on to all of those pieces, but really those are the smallest bits that add into that overall vision. And if we're so consumed by them, we can't be the visionaries that allow us to actually move forward, you know? Absolutely. I agree. I want to know if we go back to the topic of synergy, because I'm just so interested in how you explain it and teach it. When you work with students on finding their own version of synergy, where do you start with that work? If someone's listening and they're like, I am lost. I don't know what my three things are or where to begin. How does that work? Yeah, how I often start with, I often start with what we call the Trinity, which is outlining, we always start with gratitude, right? What we want to manifest and where we want to go in our life. But this whole method is really looking at what's happening in your life and what's happening in your business and kind of using an Eisenhower matrix to kind of task where we want the direction of our time to go. There's also like a synergy workbook that I've created for my clients. They go on Amazon and they buy that actually walks them through the entire process of how this actually works. And so it's basically, you don't know what your three things are. It's the brain dump, brain dump, brain dump your business. Now let's sit with that brain dump for about 24 hours. And then from then we'll pull out an, an Eisenhower matrix of to do, to outsource, and there's a couple of other pieces that I'm not recalling right now, right? Yeah. So you brain dump. Then you use your Eisenhower matrix to figure out what you can do, what you need to outsource, what to do later. And then you bring it over to your synergy. I think we call it the synergy and seven list, right? In the workbook, it says do three tasks for business, three tasks for life, set a self-care goal for the day. And it's all coming from this Eisenhower matrix so that you can prioritize what you need to do for your day. That's pretty much it. I love brain dumps. I'm a huge fan. I'm like the girl that opens up a Google Doc and just types pages of things just to get thoughts out of my head so that I can clear up the space needed to just pause. So that method is amazing. Yeah, we call it the synergy and seven method. It's seven Uh, minutes a day. Like you'll start your week out. It'll be longer than the seven minutes, but every day you're doing seven minutes working through our process of change. And that's so doable. Like no one can say they don't have time for that. Seven minutes, come on. (laughs) Seven minutes. I want to know, Maisha, because you just touched on something lightly, which was self-care. And I want to know what self-care looks like for you in this season as we're navigating this movement and just so much change. What does that look like for you? Because this isn't a new problem, but this is a new climate for the problem. Yeah, for me, self-care has been simple. It has been, I call it simple, practical, and effective. So in this season, it's meditating a lot more, right? Two-minute guided meditations with a YouTube video. (laughs) Self-care looks like making sure I'm talking to my therapist once a week and my spiritual director. For me, self-care is washing the dishes. Self-care is decluttering, disconnecting from the online space, and working on my home decluttering project that because of the last six weeks I have put off. 
<laughs> simple practical things that help me disconnect from the online world and really make sure that I'm healthy and mentally well. Because as someone with that experience of like suicidality and depression and anxiety, I actually have to put the extra effort into taking care of myself or it'll show up online when I'm live or it'll show up when I'm in connection with clients. And it, it can't be that way. Let's talk about how you serve the world, Maisha, because you do a lot of things and you're doing a lot of things currently. Walk me through some of the work that you do, because I mean, I see you everywhere I turn in the best way. And I think that you are showing up in so many big ways right now, but you also have been doing that. So what does that work consist of? Yeah. So the work for me consists of I work with Brown Sister Speak as the co-founder or the big sister, providing therapy stipends for marginalized women, Black, Brown, Indigenous, Asian Pacific Islander and Southeast Asian women who don't have access to therapy services. So I spend my time building relationships with therapy practices to offer their services as a 12 week scholarship. And or we're raising funds right now to cover not just black and brown women, but black and brown men to pay for therapy services. And so the team over at Brown Sister Speak, they're actually building out more programming, focusing on sister circles. So that kind of small niche of my life has a team of its own. And I do the work of Check Your Privilege, where I walk with white folks on their journey to dismantle their relationship with power, privilege and oppression. I've been doing this work for about two years and it has been absolutely life giving to be seen as a guide for so many folks. And I use the term guide and not educator because I don't ascribe to the labels of expert and expert culture because everyone is the expert of their own life. So there's Brown Sisters Speak, there's Check Your Privilege. As far as the synergy, I only have two synergy clients still and they work through the workbook and they work with me on occasion. But I spend a lot more of my time now, you know, talking about Check Your Privilege, talking about Brown Sisters Speak speaking engagements, team, I'm being pulled into team workshops, which I've hired more consultants now, right? So I don't burn out. I've had to hire yeah. more consultants and onboard them so that they're also able to kind of go on behalf of the Check Your Privilege brand and do team trainings. So it's this season and my intersections are definitely in a really interesting space. How are you feeling? Because when you share all of that, mm -hmm. plus just the personal gravity and weight of everything going on, how are you operating as a businesswoman? And how does just being an entrepreneur feel right now for you? I can be 100% real. It feels it's a gift and a curse. Like those. Yeah, are, that's that's where I am. It's the gift and the curse, right? It's the, mm -hmm. the blessing of, if I look at, you know, check your privilege, like so many people want to learn. And that's a blessing, right? Because mm -hmm. my ancestors have wanted you to learn since they were, you know, chattel slavery. Mm -hmm. But then the curses, it can be tiring and taxing on the body. It can take me away from my children. So I have to actually have to hire a nanny now, you know? It's a blessing though, because I'm a single mom and I've always asked for, someone to help me with support and space with my children so I can just breathe. Yeah. So it's the gift and the curse. It's the curse of black martyrdom is what's pushing, you know, me to have the spaces, right. And the conversations and meet the people because of the death of black lives. That's the curse. But the gift is because their life mattered, I can use my voice for social change and I can use my voice to break this, to stop this from happening, to stop black death in America and around the world globally. 
it's the gift and the curse. And so it's really been about me, again, having the team to remind me, no calls after six. Yes. (laughs) Did you meditate? Like getting a text message, go meditate, right? And really like trying to disconnect to reconnect as much as I can. Can I ask you a personal question just about boundaries right now? Because I think that boundaries are so important just as a human being. But what kind of boundaries have you set up for yourself right now in this season to kind of quiet some of the outer voices so that you can really get to your heart, which is what's guiding you through all of this? Yeah. The new boundary is the work cell phone and the personal cell phone. Ooh, I love it. Pick up the work cell phone until 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and turn off the work cell phone at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I have social media boundaries, right? Which I have a timer, an app on my phone that only allows me to have 30 minutes a day on social media. So that means I need to do whatever I can. So if I go live for like seven minutes, that's my 30 minute boundary. Yeah. Wow. I think that's a good reminder for everyone too. Mm -hmm. What has it been like with having the kids home and doing the work and everything that this season with COVID and, and all of life happening under one roof, what has it been like for you as a mom? Oh man, we don't know. Like we have done like three staycations in hotels right? To disconnect and to be together. I've been working from hotels a couple of times. If you catch the live, you're like, oh, is that the Marriott? (laughs) It is. (laughs) Us having to try to change our environment and and changing our environment, that meant that we have to to get away from the home, right? Because Mm -hmm. we were in the house for three months. We do need to be able to get out the house. We do need to be able to experience life together. But it's been crazy. My oldest son has been the babysitter and he has been charging me hourly for the time <laughs> that he was hanging out with his siblings so that I can do a live show, so that I can have a business call. So it's a real new, fascinating environment. And so grateful that, you know, in California now, the restrictions have lifted a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I'm able to lean on my pods. You can only have like two 12 member pods that you can connect with, which can, you know, I, I can take them to my cousin Simone and they can hang out with her or take them to my mom now. But it's been really fascinating trying to do all of this with them. But Jenna, yeah. I want to say the most heartbreaking part of the night is when my son is super sensitive and he's nine and he says things like, mommy, every time I wake up, someone is dying. Mm. And so making space to hold his grief as a young black boy in America and hearing his fear and his anxiety, that's been one of the newest like challenges within the last week as of being a mother. And they know what I do for a living and they hear the conversations, but having the conversations with them in a new and different way has really been heartbreaking. That's so heavy. Yeah. And... I think, too, as leaders, we're so used to just speaking into that void. But when you break it down and you see it happening right in front of you, it gives your work new meaning, but it also challenges you in a whole new way. Yeah. Do you have any advice for having conversations like that, whatever that would look like? Because I can't imagine the gravity of of holding that space and knowing how to walk through that with your son. 
Yeah. The therapist, you know, he has his own therapist, which is all my kids have therapists. Yay for our family. (laughs) But it's making space for his feelings. There's no judgment. There's a lot of reflecting. Oh, I hear you're sad right now because the black men are, are dying and you're afraid for yourself. There's a lot of making space for the feels. So reflecting what I hear so he can hear himself, showing a lot of compassion and not having a fixer's agenda. I don't need to fix his feeling. I need to listen to that with him and reflect so he can hear that. So and really be in tune with him in that moment, because that's what he's asking me for. He's not asking me to fix it. He's asking me to be in tune with his feelings so that he can process it. One of the things that you've said that I've taken notes on in the past is always like reflect before you respond. And I think that it's such a good reminder for so many of us that are navigating things and and holding space and having those conversations that matter, like our words matter and the gravity of all of this matters. And you have been such a teacher in that of just like pause, like just pause Mm -hmm. and, and reflect because you know, we can't move through things super fast. One thing that I would love to know as you guide people and, you know, you've seen the surge of people on on their anti-racism journey and their the work that they're doing. What is one thing that you wish you could tell people if they're starting to approach this space? Yeah, I love telling people to niche down your journey. And the co-conspirators that I work with, we really work on right now. They have a 90-day goal. For 90 days, they follow one educator. They read one book and they support one nonprofit organization. And we've broken that down into a one hour a day, five days a week way in which to execute. Because when you're new to this work, Jenna, you get so inundated with information, right? And so then you start going into doing, I'm going to go do, 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 do. But then we go into living into the work. If you're doing so much, when are you finding time to rest? And when are you finding time to change? Because this work is not just saying to go out and do, we're asking you to change your behavior. And you can't change your behavior if you're following 15 anti-racism educators, reading 15 different books in 15 different programs and supporting every organization. Right. So I tell people to niche down your journey. And so, for example, for me, my organization is the movement for black lives for the next 90 days. The book I'm reading, I'm rereading How to Be Less Stupid About Race by Dr. Crystal Fleming. And the educator that I'm following is Louisa Duran at According to Rees, because although I'm an educator or a guide, I have a lot still to learn. And I appreciate learning from Louisa. So for 90 days, I've niched my journey down. So what that means is you might see me post once or twice a week about the movement for Black Lives. You might see me share insights once a week about what I'm reading from Dr. Fleming. And then you might see me talk about the work of Weez and what I'm learning in some of her workshops. I think that approach to learning is beautiful and especially necessary. Can I ask one question that I think might be helpful for my audience? And it's a term that I wasn't familiar with even just a few weeks ago, but it's the term of monolith and that that not every person or leader can speak for an entire group of people. Can you explain what that means? Oh, absolutely. So we are not a monolith. It basically means that not 
one, we are not the same as black and brown educators, right? Our methodologies aren't the same. The way we speak is not the same. The way we teach is not the same. So while some people say, you're so nurturing, while my approach might be mothering and nurturing, which is not the intention, it's just who I am, someone else may be more direct, right? Someone else, another educator may be more empathic. You know, it does not invalidate our work. It just means that the way that one woman of color leads will not be the way that another woman of color or man of color leads. And you have to be open to understanding that it is our differences that still bring us together as educators in this work. Mm, yes. We are not a monolith. We have different styles and that's okay. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for breaking that down. One of the things that you say at the end of every podcast that I love is keep on living into your work. What does that mean to you? And what do you hope people take from that line? Yeah, for me, when I say that, it's really to break away from the concept of doing. We used to and we still tell you as educators and guides and scholars, do your work. When I think of the word do, I think of a to-do list. And then I think of productivity metrics. And then what does that take me to, Jenna? (laughs) (laughs) But this is not just about doing. It's about behavior changing. And when you think about your life and you think about life coaching and you think about your life experience, you know, it's something that you have to live, right? So living into the work is actually embodying the journey. It's actually recognizing, okay, I am consciously aware that I am striving to be anti-racist. I'm living it because I'm teaching it to my children. I'm living it because I'm talking about it to my family. I'm living it because everywhere I go, I notice that Black Lives Matter. And I notice that I'm a conduit of change towards making sure that everyone recognizes that Black and Brown lives matter. And I'm living it in my everyday life experience. I'm not just doing it to say, I'm a white ally. I'm doing my work. I'm stepping into a newness of the experience by changing my behavior and living into the journey with others, all while centering the Black, Brown, Indigenous, Asian Pacific Islander, and Southeast Asian leaders who are leading the work. That is beautiful. Thank you for that explanation. I love how you say that. And I think that's a great way to continue to move forward for so many. I know you've already talked about what you are passionate about, but are there any other foundations, resources, or organizations that you would love to highlight today to just help spread awareness for myself and for our listeners? Yes. I would love for you guys to learn more about Brown Sisters Speak. We are in need of a website overhaul that can clearly (laughs) define our messaging, but we are really a nonprofit organization in support of the mental health of Black and Brown and Indigenous women of color around the world. Uh, We provide therapy stipends for women to have access to healing, and we have sister circles. And this July, we're launching our initiative for men called Brown Brothers Talk About It, which will also give them circles for men and will also give them therapy stipends to kind of end the stigma against Black and Brown men not getting support for their mental health. The organization was founded back in 2016, I mean, it was a school project. My instructor said, wow. create a social enterprise. And it was <laughs> based on my lived experience being hospitalized for suicidology. And there you have it. Brown Sisters Speak. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing about that. Where can everybody connect with you, learn more about your work, get involved? Give us all of the places that we can find you online. 
let's just go to uh, <laughs> check your privilege. <laughs> let's send everybody yes. there. Um, www.checkyourprivilege.co and that will take you to Brown Sister Speak and it'll take you to my personal Maisha T website. Amazing. Maisha, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for being a part of this podcast and thank you so much for being a part of my life. I'm so, so grateful for you. Thanks for having me, Jenna. This was amazing. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. 